Mr. Whale. This is such an honor. You're one of my favorite all-time directors. <laughs> Can't believe I'm meeting you. I don't suppose you can. And this is your house. Ah, house of Frankenstein. I thought you'd live in a great big villa or a mansion. Oh, well, one likes to live simply. I know. People's movies aren't their lives. Love, dead, hate, living. horror.com podcast this week we're in part five of james whale january the bill condon whale biopic gods and monsters remember to stay tuned after the show for more information or you can check out our website www.goldenagehorror.com So we're going to talk about Gods and Monsters, which is a 1998 film written by Bill Condon, also directed by Bill Condon, starring James Whale. And it's Not the... Really. Uh, what did I say? You said starring James Whale. Starring Anne McClellan as James Whale. Yeah. Um, based on the book Father of Frankenstein by Christopher Brahm. Yes. Uh, the novel, mind you. Yeah. Not the biography. The so uh, this is uh, a bit of a, a bit of a departure from the usual kind of thing we watch. Yeah, but it still manages to feel largely uh, right at home. Yeah, I mean, well, it's about there were like five James Whale movies. I mean, there's actually more than that. No, that I mean that we just watch. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I I had originally wanted to watch a movie from 1940 called Green Hell, um, which is a, like a jungle adventure. Yeah, type movie, but apparently it's not available anywhere for like less than a billion dollars. Um, for like for a video video copy, VHS copy. Yeah, I don't really which have is, a billion dollars. Which doesn't seem like a good investment. Uh, and the only reason I wanted to watch that one in particular because it has like, um, I think there's some horror type stuff in the jungle and Vincent Price is in it. So it like, to me, it would have felt more like like continuous because most of his other movies are. Uh, like melodramas or comedies or musicals or showboat showboat yep i think it's a musical isn't it i don't know i'm not sure he said he said it a lot it was a pretty it was a very large hit i think that was his most successful movie i'm not sure i think i, I just read that recently like today um, i can't it's definitely the it's, it's the most something of his movies i think it was the most successful or popular or something like that um but yeah he's definitely best remembered for Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Which is a movie make sure to hammer home. Yeah. For better or for worse, that's what he's best known as. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh I don't think he really commented much on his if he like disliked the, that being known for those or not. He probably didn't realize at the time that they were, those movies would per, uh, persist more than something like Showboat or uh any of his other movies. Yeah. Even in the 50s 
it probably wasn't clear. But yeah. So this movie, um, as as we sort of alluded to, is a biopic about James Whale, and uh, highlighted by a pretty strong performance by Anne McClellan and strong supporting actors, uh, actors and actresses' performances. Yes. Um, sort of a, a portrait of the last days of James Whale's life after he's had a stroke and appears to be losing most of, uh, like his mind is leaking memories and he can't control himself and he also has um, uh, a a minor physical breakdowns here and there Um, and it ends with his suicide in a swimming pool Um, and the book is largely well not I wouldn't say largely I mean the the movie is is fictionalized um, just to some degree well like in an almost entire degree well, yeah, I suppose because the um, this the the main the main uh, thrust of the movie is Wales' uh, friendship with his gardener Clayton. Clayton Clayton Boone Clayton Boone exactly yeah, there you go Clayton and, Boone. Uh, that that whole thing is I mean there's no we don't I mean for all we know Clayton Boone never existed he probably didn't exist I think yeah. he I think well, I, I mean, looked he, it up and he did not exist he did not yeah he did well he. We don't know that he didn't exist. Well, the writer, who but wrote the writer the, made who wrote him up. the book. He could have just done. He just got an extremely lucky guess. Yeah, he could. Okay, but uh, yeah. So that I mean that. So in that sense, the book, the movie's fictional. Um, I think they did. I think they they sort of did their best as to uh, G, uh, his the biographical details of James Whale. Yeah, and his character, and sort of the vague outline of his death, and that and that he had strokes, and then killed himself. Um, from what the, now, what I read made me think that it wasn't even clear how much. Like, I, I think all the stuff where he was having the synesthesia and the um, inability to control his recollections—that stuff is all supposition as well. Yeah, but uh, it was still it made for an interesting story. It, it, it uh, I don't I don't know again, and also like we're on the same subject. I don't I don't know how much uh, the movie sort of makes a case that. Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein were had had uh, auto, autobiographical elements to them. Yeah, which I don't I'm not sure how true that is either. Now it leans heavily on using the two of those two movies as a metaphor for his own life. Yeah, which is interesting. Just might not be. It you know maybe maybe you can look at it that way, but I don't think that was something that James Whale himself thought. No, because he wasn't an old man when he made them. Right. For sure, yeah. So he wasn't creating metaphors between his declining health and Frankenstein, hmm. and his friendship with this gardener. Also, I I got really confused when it was first opening, and then surprised, and then I looked up because I'm like Clive Barker as an executive producer. Like, am I thinking yeah, the same Clive Barker? Yep. And I was. Yeah. yeah. Which Clive is Barker, weird. mainly known for uh, his splattery horror novels and uh also creating hellraiser yeah but yeah and i think the Wishmaster. oh <laughs> and Candyman. oh do you do Candyman too yeah wow he's like a modern day james whale <laughs> well he did executive produce it <laughs> um yeah so what did you think of gods and monsters um it felt like it felt like almost like a... Okay, so... 
the fact that like it's a biopic with an entirely fictional character getting second billing mm-hmm. makes the movie feel like someone's weird fan fiction of someone's life. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think if, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the calling it fan fiction is, you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose. It, it's because he was a real person that that sort of like. I don't know. It just it was weird for me. Like I guess if I if I didn't know that this person was a was a real person, it would just feel like a regular old story. Mm-hmm. But there's this extra that kind of bizarre layer when there's this inserted fictional character into a real life that just is weird to me. I mean, they could have easily taken a name from his real life and just had Brendan Fraser play them, and it probably would have come out exactly the same. Yeah. I mean, maybe. it's a similar... Most biopics have, like, hard... Um, you, you know, like, they, they'll take something from his life and twist it so much. And a lot of times, it's a, it's a specific character just to fit the needs of the story. And then right. it might as well be fictionalized. But they, they just take a real name to give it the veneer of truth. Maybe I just need a veneer of truth. Yeah, well, I, I need, guess that's why it's there. I need to be tricked a little. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, so you didn't you you found the movie unsettling because of that? No, I just found it strange. Like, otherwise the movie was fine. It feels very much like a um, a movie that wins a lot of awards in the time, and then you forget about it immediately, like the year after. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like he's like, yes, this is well done. There's co- there's strong performances. Like Ian McClellan does his, you know, he does Ian McClellan. He does him. He's a good actor. He can make you know commanding theatrical performances. But this movie is no Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein. No, certainly not. Although uh, I very much enjoy the, my favorite part of this movie. I've seen this movie. This is the second time I've seen this movie when we rewatched it, and. My favorite part is definitely the um, the flashback to the making of Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, I, that was. I wish kind. I kind of wish the whole movie was that. Yeah, I like that time period a lot more. People just just straight up doing impressions of all the different actors. Yes, very funny. <laughs> oh, do I definitely do appreciate them showing some ample dick in the movie? Yeah, it was <laughs> well, ample, but there was some. Doesn't show up very often. I think you know. I applaud movies that do. Sure. I mean, <laughs> it was like a whole total of a, of a millisecond, probably, but sure. I mean, there was that painting there for a while. Also, there's a uh, Boris Karloff impression later, impersonator later in the film, which is a pretty bad job. Yeah, I don't although know the makeup you... is okay, but he, he's not doing Boris Karloff's voice. No, he's just doing a voice. Yeah. Well, to be fair, Boris Karloff doesn't do a lot of voices in a lot of his movies, so you kind of sneak by. Well, he has a s- s- distinctive voice. You know, he's got the lisp and the the uh, received pronunciation which I I don't know yeah I don't know George Carlos voice that well from mostly not hearing him talk or hearing him talk as a monster yeah I mean after those two movies he does talk in most of his movies well more than just you know fire bad smoke good Smoke very good. That guy likes smoke. So yeah, I guess uh, Gods and Monsters. Um, interesting film. 
to watch if you're a fan of these movies and James Whale, but not like not going to be a life changing experience. Like for example, Brighter Frankenstein might be. No, it's like I said, it's very much like it's an Academy Award showpiece. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that it won. I might, I think I won something like best adapted screenplay or something like that, or best. It did. I think it won like. Oh, it was nominated for a bunch of like best leading actors, best okay. actress and yeah. stuff. You know, I think like biopics. Don't biopics usually come out for award season? Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. You're right. It's like a King's Speech kind of movie. Yeah, which is like you know, just a very sure everyone brought their A game, but you know, just not a very memorable thing afterwards. And it was also a lot. It wasn't very much about his. Mo- it was a lot more about him being gay than his, the movies too. Mm-hmm. A lot more. In that it was almost like barely about his movies, but I guess that makes sense because people would know the movies but not him. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's about people, it's about him, and I I don't know. Uh, I'm saying a lot of people probably don't like would know Frankenstein and Bride Frankenstein, but not necessarily connect James Whale with them. Mm-hmm. So there isn't this kind of need to connect the two together, like him in the filmmaking, because yeah. people don't regularly associate those two. I mean, there's certainly not, like, uh, queer cinema classics or anything like that. No, they're not. Despite um, Bride of Frankenstein's fabulous hair. No, yeah, I mean, her hair is absolutely fabulous. But, but, um, I mean, he's an interesting character in that he never was, like, in the closet ever. He just was always out. But, uh, I mean... I feel it. I don't know how much. I guess it like to me it was more like an end of life drama type thing, and like at that point you're looking back, and the fact that he was gay meant all all the 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 stuff he was nostalgic about was like gay related stuff. You know, in the same way that if it was Peter O'Toole playing some old guy, it would be all uh you know lost lost loves lost seventeen year old girls and things like that. Yeah. But I take I take your meaning though, and and just based on the the uh, having him play against the against the manly gardener type, right? Like as a as that dimension to it as well. They did super like they did. Um, what's I'm looking for? It's not superimpose. Juxtapose his his gayness to straightness like constantly. Yeah, they superimposed Brendan Fraser over Emma Cullen. Yeah, they did. They did that once or twice. But yeah, because I mean, like it, it was very much about. They mentioned that he was gay a lot. Mm, yeah. Not so much that it was just like he happened to be, and that was part of his reflection on life. It focused very heavily on that being obvious and part of his identity. Which it probably was. Also, good old Vernon Fraser. Yeah, he's acting it up here. Probably they, I, doesn't think he got many chances during his, uh, his career, which is now over, to... Um, play serious dramatic roles yeah I mean like I mean he's still going uh, like, no he's dead now don't count him out I saw him on Sesame Street that's what I'm saying he's not done yet um yeah but I mean I think I don't think of him as like a guy who was trying to like act his pants off but uh he's he's no he's no sh- classically trained Shakespearean yeah, actor he's not he's not but but um you know he does fine in this movie. Yeah, 
They very much play pick a role for him. Mm-hmm. That seems suited well suited for. But there's not not really a comedy thing. Like most of his roles had like a comic edge. Yeah. That I mean yeah. that I remember. You didn't think it was funny when he was like, I don't know, like whipping off his towel. You like, how you doing? Yeah, and then they, then uh, for, like, for, like, forced to wear a gas mask. Yeah. You didn't think that was a humorous scene? No. And then sexually assaulted while, while hyperventilating. Well, maybe you just don't understand dark comedy. Yeah, true. I don't, did you even watch the old Dark House? Oh, well, I did I did see the synchronicity in that. Uh, James Whale was played entirely by an old woman with a beard taped on her face. <laughs> it was really weird. Yeah. You didn't notice how... Often, um, the James Well character is always like, Clayton, have a potato. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the old Dark House. A better movie than Gods and Monsters. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I think on a technical level, yep. if you would have scored them objectively, Gods and Monsters would, would be a better movie. Yeah. I think I think it just has less long like longevity to it. I think, I think, um, a better movie is like a, a, a term that is meaningless, essentially. That one finds its own meaning for. Are you saying you can't review things objectively? Well, there's a there's some objective truths, but uh, I think that one is that one is entirely subjective. For example, okay. Bride of Frankenstein, greatest horror movie of all time. Objective fact. But like on the potato scale, it's like a. It's like a zero. Ernest Sessinger, greatest character actor of all time. Objective fact. And on the potato scale, he's like a seven. Have a potato. Objective <laughs> fact. That's what I'm saying. He's like, so he's like the best of both worlds. Yes. Potatoes are the best of both worlds. <laughs> no, Ernest Sessinger. Have a potato. Sure. No. Say thank you. I would love a potato. No, whatever. I, I'll pass. Okay, I'm a potato. All right, I don't have any anyway. I'm a quinoa man myself. Oh wow. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm gonna stop this recording now. Okay. I also didn't care about Boone's subplot. What? Oh, it was, no, no one did. What, what subplot? <laughs> where am I? You oh, the part the where he's like, uh, yeah, where he's got a girlfriend and he feels inadequate. Yeah. Was it a subplot or was it just like a bit to give a character like a? I guess it was know, a subplot because they did call back to it later. He's old man, you know. <laughs> just he, like a bit of character shading, just so he's not. Just I'm in like, the war with my old man, the war man, old man. Thanks for listening to episode 16 of the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. We've got some errors to correct on the recording. First of all, Clive Barker did not create the Wishmaster. It was Wes Craven. And McKellen's name is pronounced like that, not however I pronounced it on the podcast. You can visit our website for more information, articles, and show notes. My first ebook is out on Amazon. It's called All Godless Here. If you liked our podcast, please leave us a reading or review on iTunes. 
if you don't want to miss an episode, join our mailing list at our website, or you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash allgodlessgear. Follow me on Twitter at the Water Method or Andrew at Pizza Pranks. Andrew's website is www.pizzapranks.com. Our theme music is the Swan Lake dub by Dubology. Next week we're talking about Vampire, a movie that is truly unlike any other movie. Thanks for listening. Again, that website is www.goldenagehorror.com.